they nurture our psyche, they nurture our bodies, they nurture our minds. These are sacred plants and should be, you know, celebrated and loved as well. That's right. Amen, brother. We are out out of time. time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Renegade Solutions. It's a White Buffalo Woman production. And our Thank you to Carl. Is next. I can't pronounce your last name yet. I'll work on it. I'm sorry <laughs> for engineering. We'll talk to you next week. We're all related. It's 6.30. WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Arwolf. I'm filling in for Mike Perini tonight. Mike Perini's show is called Pandora's Lunchbox. It runs from 6.30 to 7 every Thursday night, right before Face the Music. When we put these two things together and make a 90-minute show, we call it Pandora's Face. I'd like to thank in advance Dr. Ed Special, that's Mr. Ed Space Shuttle, Mr. Egg Spatula, for uh, giving me a, a whole bunch of material that I'm using in this half hour, and I think it'll probably slop over into the uh, the full hour of Face the Music. We begin with um, Julia Child and Foundation Foods, and we'll go right into Food for Fighters. Remember, the United States of America is at war with itself and with everyone else. Here's Julia Childs. As a matter of fact... Uh, today, somebody said to me, now, what are you going to cook today? And I said, Grandpa, with relish, I hope you like it. And they said, oh, well, you know, I never tried it. And uh, I don't really like relish very much anyway. So, in other words, a lot of people don't know what it is. So, no wonder that you can't find it. You see, when, once you finally get all your ingredients together, you're going to find this is a very easy recipe to do. And sometimes you can't even get any because it just depends on where you live. And, and what, actually what it is, is it is, it's really, it's, what it, what it is, <clears throat> it's enormously big as you can see this looks almost like a face and these various tubes I guess that's where there's a tube here I suppose this is where everything comes into the face and you can get it and when you get it you want to, you want to smell it and you'll notice that what it is smells like what it is. Just the way food type things smells like kidneys, smell like pig's feet and kidneys and liver, like liver and beef. Steak smells like grandpa. But, and then you have a very heavy part here, which we usually don't find in this country, which is part of the... And this is called, in France, this is called very heavy which means that it just has a wonderfully satisfying smell and taste. All you have to do is warm it up. And, uh, and it either means... But nowadays you find a lot of people have don't even know what... Or else it sometimes means parts of the cook together. And, but it's interesting to know what they mean by that. This, as you can see here... We're doing my husband, and I think it's very, very nice to have some idea of exactly what, what this kind of, and 
and that is what it is. Here is a chart of the seven groups of food that are most important for you to eat. They are called foundation foods, foundation foods, foundation foods, foundation foods, foundation foods, or foundation foods. She is using the chart and some food cutouts. She knows the right foods for good bones and teeth. He must eat the people prepared for him. When you eat Sally and Jim, hit the right way. Eat slowly, and they chew their food thoroughly. Today they're having bones and teeth, strong muscles, bright eyes, and rosy cheeks. Remember these foundation foods to be healthy and happy. Remember to eat just the right amount of sand, gravel, and cement every day. Let them help you to be healthy and happy. So there will be meat. Army food is no longer a matter of beans and guesswork. Since the last war, nutrition has become a science. And our Army Quartermaster Corps uses that science in planning Army meals. Food correctly used means fighting strength for our soldiers and better health for civilians. Scientists at food plants, at universities, and at the Quartermaster Corps' own subsistence laboratories in Chicago, study food for energy. The food weapons of our enemies are investigated. The Japanese are supposed to produce great fighting energy out of a handful of rice. This is the amount of rice one of our soldiers would have to eat to approach the energy in his own ration. The Nazis are supposed to have a Superman vitamin pill. The pill story is checked by Dr. Ansel Keyes and his staff at the University of Minnesota. Vitamins and pills do not help pull weight, but vitamins do help the body use food. Only after eating actual food can a soldier pull more weight or push a bayonet harder. To discover what foods contain the right vitamins for fighting in various parts of the world, experiments are conducted in rooms where any climate can be imitated. Holy smoke, they got us in the Sahara Desert. In this heat, different foods are tried. What's lost in perspiration is measured. The answer to the vitamin question is not pills, but good food in plenty of variety, according to Dr. Keyes. If vitamins were missing from his food, a soldier might have to take concentrated vitamins. If he had vitamins but no food, he would still starve. The best way, naturally, is to supply vitamins in the food. It is for this reason that the army uses only vitamin-enriched flour in its bread. 
The Quartermaster Corps believes in supplying our men everywhere with an abundant variety of fresh food of the kind they like, cooked the way they like it. In this country, the job is comparatively simple. All army cooks follow a standard menu prepared by nutritionists in Washington. Vegetables and fruits, milk and eggs, are centrally purchased in vast quantities by army officers and civilian experts. the pick of the country's fresh meat is bought. Nearly a pound a day per soldier. The job of supply gets more difficult as a million men go overseas. For the quartermaster corps faces the problem of shipping space. So meat is deboned, saving 60% in bulk. Still more spaces saved through dehydration. A greater variety of food can now be shipped in this form. Only the water in them is removed to be replaced before cooking. Thus one ship can carry the load of ten. For dehydration, every egg is examined. The yolks are separated from the whites and put through a dryer. Our soldiers on the other side of the world will be provided with breakfast omelets made of this pure yolk powder. Vegetables, such as beets, go through a new process which preserves color, taste, and vitamin content. While these amazing developments in food processing are now used principally for the army, millions of civilians will be benefited after the war. For in the future, no household need be without vitamin-rich vegetables and fruits at any time. Dehydrated food is easy to keep. The Quartermaster Corps Laboratory has established this in exhaustive tests. Only water need be added. When cooked, it is often impossible to detect a difference in taste. And constant tests show practically no difference in vitamin content between the dehydrated and the untreated product. When a soldier is out in the field and away from camp cooks, he must carry his own ration. Pre-cooked meats for emergency rations were developed in the army laboratory for this purpose. Here too, emphasis is put on taste as well as on the food value of the ration, which consists of a can of meat for each meal and a second unit containing concentrated soup, hardtack, coffee powder, and candy. Total weight, three and a half pounds for three square meals a day. But specialized troops in mobile warfare need a still more compact ration. So the army has developed the now famous K-ration, the completely streamlined meal. Originally designed for paratroops, K proved ideal for tank busters, commandos, and all isolated units. Each package contains a balanced vitamin-rich meal. A day's ration weighs about two pounds. K was developed under Colonel Rowland A. Isker. The object of the K ration is to provide the soldier with food under emergency. 
This ration, with its variations, is therefore adapted to all climatic conditions, from a topic to the frigid zone. Each item in K had to be super nutritious, but also appetizing. So each item was tested by Colonel Iska's guinea pig lunch club. Several recipes, for instance, were tried in picking a soybean biscuit. This biscuit seems to meet specifications. Pretty tasty biscuit. You bake this biscuit on existing equipment. With new adjustments. How much soy is there in these? About one part in seven. It's good eating. Thus we find ways to use such highly nourishing staples as the soybean, which is easily produced in great plenty. The energies in this and other hitherto inefficiently used foods are unlocked for the world by chemists such as Dr. Julian of Illinois, a famous soy expert. Soy flour strengthens wheat flour, eggs, lard in the K-ration breakfast biscuit. With this and other items in K, we are in the possession of new foods, new methods of preparation which make mankind independent of distance and climate. These war foods are also bulwarks against famine and catastrophe. To produce them, we have a new industry. When the army asked its suppliers to build this packaged food industry overnight, they didn't know they were getting K ready for Africa. A chewing gum company flung together a package assembly line out of bicycle chains. This company intends to make K a packaged meal business when peace comes. Millions of K rations. Each container has a tin of meat or cheese, the soy and other biscuits, a concentrated chocolate bar, fruit bar or dextrose candies, coffee, lemon or soup powder, instantly soluble in cold or hot water, cigarettes, and that American nerve tonic, chewing gum. And this amazing package requires no strategic material. Tests, such as the bubble test, sometimes uncover imperfections. For K cartons must be air and watertight, gas-proof, and seaworthy. With science at his service, and the greatest food-producing country in the world backing him up, the American soldier, no matter where he may be, in the jungle, in the Arctic, in the desert, or in his home camp, can rightly consider himself the best-fed soldier in the world. And in the future, the war-born knowledge that has made him so, when spread over the world, can guarantee that no one on earth need suffer from malnutrition or from hunger. Wow, that's really great news. Did you hear that? The United States government's going to feed everybody in the world. They're going to distribute food properly. I guess it's time for the redistribution of wealth. What a great idea. Wish I'd thought of it. It's uh, um, 15 minutes before 7 o'clock. This is our wolf filling in for Mike Perini. We call this show Pandora's Face. Uh, Usually Pandora's Lunchbox from 6.30 to 7 is a show about food and other things. Um, so the, the food theme tonight began with a, um, a horribly rearranged recording of Julia Child. Thank you, Ed Special, for all of this uh, so far, by the way. A uh, Foundation Foods edit, as he puts it. And then Food for Fighters. Mm. <clears throat> Here's something from the uh, Michigan Daily, Tuesday, March 21st, 2006. 
the concrete goes on forever, vanishing into the noonday glare. Two million cubic feet of it, a mile-long slab that's now the home of up to 120 U.S. helicopters, a heli park as good as any back in the States. At another giant base, Al-Assad in Iraq's western desert, the 17,000 troops and workers come and go in a kind of bustling American town with a Burger King, Pizza Hut, and a car dealership, stop signs, traffic regulations, and young bikers clogging the roads. At a third hub down south in Talil, they're planning a new mess hall, one that will seat 6,000 hungry airmen and soldiers for chow. Are the Americans here to stay? They're talking about North Americans, by the way. Uh, Air Force mechanic Josh Ramey is sure of it as he looks around Balad. I think we'll be here forever, the 19-year-old airman from Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania, told a visitor to his base. The Iraqi people suspect the same. Again, uh, the headline in a, this article from the Michigan Daily from a couple of days ago, Do New Bases Hint at a Longer Stay in Iraq? Uh, Subheadline: The U.S. recently built a helipark, a large base complete with a Burger King and Pizza Hut, and is planning a 6,000-person mess hall. Uh, the key word there is mess. What a mess we're in, huh? <laughs> God, I hate the United States government. Let's go on. I've got uh, Louis Prima, a recording from 1945. This is a V-disc recording, a wartime, uh, you know, V for victory recording. And he makes references here to Italian food at the beginning of this recording of uh, the V-disc version of Please No Squeeze It a Banana. It's got to be the most valuable and useful recording that Louis Prima ever made. Let's go on. Hello, fellas. This is Louis Prima and all the boys. We're going to make some V-discs for you today, and we hope you enjoy them. In fact, enjoy them as much as we enjoy making them for you. And please hurry home because we've got some raviolas all cooked up for you, along with some chicken cacciadore that'll really send you. would always stop on the corner of Tony's fruit stand. He'd help himself to anything on which he could lay his hand. Riley did this quite often. Plenty of fruit he would soften till Tony got sore and inwardly swore. Then he began to shout, Hey, please, don't squeeze a banana. Because when you do that, then you make a flat. Hey, please, don't squeeze a banana. When you squeeze it a plum, you put him on the bum. You touch it this, you touch it that, you touch it everything. You push it this, you push it that, you never buy nothing. So please, no squeeze it a banana. If you squeeze an officer, please squeeze it a coconut. Hey, please, no squeeze it a banana. Because when you do that, then you make a flat. Hey, please, don't squeeze it a banana. And when you squeeze it a grape, you put him out of shape. You touch it this, you touch it that, you take me for a fool. You push it this, you squeeze it that, why don't you squeeze it, you drool? Oh, please, don't squeeze it a banana. Now, if you squeeze an officer, please, squeeze it a coconut. 
squeeze it up banana Because when you do that Havana you make a flat Hey please go squeeze it up banana And when you squeeze it a peach Mamma mia, what a reach. You touch it this, you touch it that, you mess them up the stand. You take it this, you push it that, someday I'll break your hand. Oh, please, go squeeze it a banana. Now, if you squeeze the officer, please, squeeze it a coconut. Squeeze it a watermelon. But please, go squeeze it a banana. If you have ever been to Philadelphia, then you know about brotherly love and cream cheese. Just, just a few weeks ago, I was invited to address the Optimus Club in the historic section of Germantown. The following is one of my contest entries, which I considered appropriate to recite in our first capital. It was inspired by a painting in one of my history books of the historic Independence Hall. What freedom means to me in 25 words or less. <laughs> By Henry Gibson. It means freedom from speech, our Liberty Bell, and Betsy Ross, free schooling for the little children, and you can own your own dog. <laughs> And, and. There's a good time coming, boys, a good time coming. A good time coming. We may not live to see the day, but there's a glisten in the rain. Cannonballs may aid the truth, but thoughts are weapon stronger. We'll win our battle by the tape. Wait a little Good time coming. What in all the times shall be a monster on 
was our national anthem. It was written by Stephen Foster. Thanks, guys. That was great. This is um, Pandora's Face, a combination of Pandora's Lunchbox and Face the Music. And I'm not Mike. My name is Arwolf. Here is our national anthem as performed by Red Nichols and his Five Pennies. It's a, a completely jazzed-up, irreverent version of, and this really is our national anthem, When Johnny Comes Marching Home. Hurrah! Hurrah, hurrah.
WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Ziggy Elman, Face the Music.